Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 280. I had a conversation with Dr. Mao Xingni, otherwise known as Dr. Mao, and he is a 38th generation doctor of Chinese medicine. He's the co-founder of the Tao of Wellness, which is a medical practice here in California, and Yosan University. He's also an author of dozens of books and a fantastic, fascinating man. Uh, I know him because I began going to him for acupuncture and uh, Chinese medicine, herbs and things, and was recommended to him by a guest, a former guest from this podcast, Gary Donzig. That was an incredible episode. By the way, if you want to listen to that one, episode 218. Fantastic episode in its own right. Anyway, back to Dr. Mao. Uh, We chatted over Zoom, and he talked about his life, his childhood, growing up, uh, his brush with death, and his determination to help heal others, and his way of life and thinking. Excellent form of therapy, listening to Dr. Mal speaking, to be honest. There's just something about him. His voice is, is to me, very soothing and calm. So yes, I'm excited for you to hear this. Before we get into the usual stuff, I want to mention that Howard Michael Gould, and previous guest as well, on Hey Human, his new book is out. So if you enjoyed Last Looks, which I thoroughly enjoyed, the new book is called Pay or Play. I like to support the people who have been on the show. So when they have new things happening, I I try and mention them as best I can. Not an ad. I have not even read the new book yet, but if it's by Howard, it's probably excellent. So I'm excited to read it. Okay, usual stuff. Hey Human Podcast is on the social media, on Instagram and Facebook under heyhumanpodcast.com. If you go to heyhumanpodcast.com, you can see lots of stuff, uh, all the links page where I put everything about my guests that I can put in one pile to help you understand them better or... I do basically I do the research for you. How about that? That's a good way to put it. And I stick it all in one place so that you can just go there and find all the things you want to find about each guest. So definitely check out that links page. Check out the merch page, uh, t-shirts, pencil cases, hats, masks, all the things. They help support Hey Human and keep it ad-free. There's also a donate button if you care to support Hey Human. That way, it is always welcome to do that. So thank you. Email me, susan at heyhumanpodcast.com. You can go to susanruth.com if you want to learn more about me and the other things I do, acting or being interviewed by other people or music and that kind of thing. So definitely check that out. You can also sign up on my mailing list and I will send out a mailer when I feel like it. (laughs) It does happen, I promise. Sometimes. Not often, but it happens. Um, what else? You can catch me social media wise on my personal stuff under Susan Ruthism, S-U-S-A-N-R-U-T-H-I-S-M. If you like music, go find me under Susan Ruth in musical places. I will be there. Big shout out to the crew that kept me going during the pandemic, the Ted Lasso crew, none of whom I know personally, but y'all kept me from falling off an edge, and I'm really happy that you won all those Emmys because it's well-deserved. So if by chance you're listening or or whatever, you're not. But if you were, you would hear this. Thank you. Because in, in some little way, that half hour of laughter, you know, saved me from myself. So thank you for that. Okay, let's get into this. And thank you for listening, everybody. Be kind, stay well, stay safe, be good to each other. And uh, here we go. Dr. Mal, welcome to Hey Human. It's good to have you here. Thank you for being on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, I'm, it, it, the topic really intrigues me. Hey Human. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what, what an amazing topic. So, I mean, how did you come up with it? <laughs> uh, it, it came from a series of uh, me starting to give up hope that humans uh, were going to correct their course of what seemed like self-destruction and I wanted to be part of the solution and so I started the podcast to try and get people listening to each other and hearing all the stories and I figure I mean there's seven point some odd billion people so I'll never run out of humans 
brilliant. And I love doing it. It's It's been a real gift to me. Uh, and I think it's important work. So it's a win-win. Agreed. All right. Did you grow up in Los Angeles where your practices or what, what was your childhood? So I was actually born and raised in Taiwan. And uh, so for most people, uh, you know, anyone who doesn't know where Taiwan is, um, it was it's a little island that's right off the coast of China, very close to China, in fact. And but it's not part of uh, People's Republic of China. It's an independent, you know, democratic uh, government of Taiwan. Um, and um, but you probably hear it more, you know, more often now because, you know, there's there's all this political uh, mm. strife going on in that part of the world right now. But um, so, but I I grew up in an idyllic situation in. Um, this tiny little island and um you know where my mom and dad were just wonderful and loving parents so um i didn't really know what the world was like until i left it did you did you grow up with brothers and sisters i i did i did i have one brother who's older and uh so it's um it's it's a it's a pretty amazing uh you know sort of uh story journey if you will so my um how I made it to America was the fact that um, three students from America went to Asia, specifically Taiwan, looking for a teacher uh, well-versed in both Chinese medicine, Taoism, and uh, you know the, the traditional arts and sciences that were lost. And uh, in, in, in China, because, you know, after the communist takeover, all of that ancient teaching were really purged, uh, sort of went through this upheaval, a cultural revolution. So most of the, the ancient teachings no longer exist you know, in China. So, so my father, who was born and raised in China and uh, trained there, uh, fled uh, China on the eve of the takeover, uh, the communist takeover, 1948. Wow. And so he landed in Taiwan. And uh, so anyway, so the students found him uh, because my father was quite well known in Taiwan. He had written many books and, and was a famous doctor. So anyway, they brought him here to America. And, uh, and then we, we followed uh, two, three years after. Oh, interesting. Did uh did you have a sense? How old were you when when that was going on? When your dad so, had left? Oh, so when he left, I was probably 10, 11 years old, and then I I would yeah. Did you have an understanding at such a young age that your dad was going there to help, you know, bring a legacy to America and to heal people, or were you just ten going where'd dad go? You know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I did. I, I had a, a very strong understanding of his mission in life. You know, I grew up very atypical. I mean, on one hand, very typical. On the other hand, very atypical. My, uh, my father was considered, you know, one of the last living Taoist master uh, that, you know, sort of got out of China. And, uh, and he was considerably older. Uh, so, um and uh, every Sunday, my mother was a Christian, so she would take us to church. And in fact, she was um, very devout, so she even taught Sunday school. So I had to stay for a Sunday school. Then I came home to my father's spiritual service uh, because we had built, he had built a, a, a shrine on the third floor of our three-story house. You know, so it was was interesting you know first floor um was his office where he treated patients and uh where he had classes as well and then the second uh floor was residential that's where we lived and the third floor uh, was also you know that was the shrine where he had his gathering and his spiritual teachings and uh so it was i grew up just immersed in that environment right and uh so i had to also show up at his uh, martial art class, his Tai Chi classes. Uh, so, you know, I, I knew exactly. I mean, my father was a man with a mission. 
really clear about his purpose and what his life uh, is about. So um, anyway, so when he left, he told us what he was, you know, what he was doing, where where he was going, and that we would soon follow. And uh, so I, I had, you know, these dreams of what America would be like. <laughs> Explain to the listeners what Dow is. Yes. Uh, so the Tao can be literally translated as the path or the way. And probably the most famous book associated with the Tao is called the Tao Te Ching. And Tao Te Ching uh, was written by a Taoist sage by the name of Lao Tzu. And uh, so, and interestingly, Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching is the you know, kind of like the third most translated uh, book in the world after the Bible and the, the Book of Changes. And so it's um, in this small little book that he wrote, uh, pretty much encapsulated the essence of the Tao, which essentially is a, per, you know, understanding that, you know, we as humans are subject to the natural laws, the laws of the universe. We are a microcosm of the universe. So, uh, and our job is to discover that connection, that oneness, and to return to that natural way instead of violating the way. And uh, if you live the natural way, you know, the Tao, um, your life will be blessed with health, and prosperity, and joy, and peace. Um, and uh, and wisdom. As a so, if you stuck around in Taiwan a few years before you could then follow to America, when you got to America, having been steeped in a practice that is is so deeply rooted in the universe and in oneself and in family and spirituality and an understanding of the flow of all things, and then you get shoved into. America that's a neon light and a loud noise and a hustle and a bustle and people who are most of the time not in their bodies at all, that must have been huge culture shock. You know, uh, Susan, on one hand, it was, but on the other hand, it, it wasn't because, <laughs> I, you know, this is so bizarre if you think about it. So, little boy leaves the island of Taiwan, lands in Malibu, California. And so here I was, you know, going to school, then going surfing with my friends after, after school. And so it was, in fact, I would say very idyllic. You know, we lived up in the Malibu Hills with a beautiful view of the ocean. And uh, so it, it, was, it was really wonderful, really, if you think about it. Um, and, and when I recall with, you know, fondness of, of developing my love of nature, in fact, because there were a lot of hiking trails uh, all around and I would go hiking all the time with my friends. And, uh, and then just being in the ocean uh, really uh, taught me about, um, you know, learning how not to struggle and going with the flow because, you know, the ocean is so much more powerful. And to struggle against it is futile. And, and I've, of course, I've tried it. And, uh, and after, you know, futility, you know, uh, in attempts, uh, I realized, oh, you know what? I, I, would, I just need to go with the flow. So as the waves are coming, you know, I need to learn how to ride it as opposed to fight it. Uh, and so in some way, it, it actually gave me a sense of what some of the teaching of the Tao is, is surfing, using surfing as an analogy of being able to learn to recognize the way. Uh, and, you know, you, you sit out there sometimes, right, on the board, and you're, you're kind of, you have to be one with the ocean as you're bobbing up and down, up and down, the waves are coming. And then you have to look you know, across the horizon and you have to watch for the waves and you can see the swells as they're building. But the thing is, you have to recognize which one you're going to, you know, take a surf on because you can't really surf on every one of these swells. 
And so you have to, so you kind of learn to discern. And of course, as beginner, you, you sort of, you don't really know what you're looking for. But after a while, you learn from other people, you go, oh yeah, that one looks like it's going to be a nice break. And so then you serve that one. So it's kind of like life. You know, there are lots of opportunities come along, but which one do you choose, right? And then if you have to be prepared too, you have to be in the right position, right angle. And, and then you have to catch it just at the right time so you can, you know, really paddle, pa you know, paddle as quickly as possible, then jump on the board, and then you kind of ride that wave. And some waves break too short, some waves break long, and it's just, um, you know, kind of learning how to read nature and energy and forces. Uh, it, was, it was a great humbling experience and lessons for me. It's great to grow up in Malibu as a kid. I can only imagine just the adventures that a kid can go on in, in a place like that. And it is interesting if you leave LA proper and you go over to Malibu, there's a, a much different vibration going through that town. There, there is, you know, and, and my brother and I stuck out like a sore thumb because there simply were not minorities in the 70s, you know, Malibu. And, uh, but yet... You know, I was, I think, riding on the coattail of Bruce Lee and Kung Fu, you know, David Carradine's Kung Fu series. I mean, it was just, I think I came just at the right time, 1978, where there was this opening, right? And also people in Malibu were very open to what my father had to teach and, and his practice of Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So it was, in fact, the perfect place for our family to land on yeah, to, that's, know, coming to America. So that's great. When did you discover, or, or I, I know that in Chinese culture uh, that there, there's a lot of pressure of from parent to child. My other friends who are Chinese, they talk about that a lot and the, the myth of the model minority and all that kind of stuff. Um, did you come to the decision for medicine to carry on the practice that your father had, do you feel like that was more your choice or did it feel like there was just an understanding within the family that someone had to carry on this mantle to not let this beautiful culture and practice die? I, you know, it's, it's kind of, everything you said is, is correct. And, and there was some pressure, but I was very lucky because I was the second born. So my brother being the eldest uh, was expected to carry on the mantle. And so he had a lot more pressure, whereas I was kind of left to my own device. Uh, but, however, I chose it, in fact, um, instead of, you know, going off and pursuing other things. I decided this was my calling. Um, and, and actually, the, my, the, the, the determination of that started very early. You see, it, it began when I was six years old playing on the rooftop of our three-story house. This was back in Taiwan. Remember three stories, right? Um, you know, island's small. The only way to get more room is to expand. So, so my family uh, decided to build a fourth and fifth floor, you know, kind of an addition. And so there, there are these scaffolding ladder, uh, ladders that uh, sort of had to allow the workers, instead of going through the house, they would just use those ladders, go up to the rooftop. And so one summer, you know, my brother and I was running up and down that thing to the rooftop and playing on the rooftop. You know, we would make these, we'd pick up these uh, scrap wood and pretend that they were swords. We'd make these swords and we would just fight each other and, you know, chase each other. And uh, so one day, you know, I was chasing him towards the edge of the building and he darted to the right and I went over the edge of the building. So here I was in free fall. And, uh, and I just, I just remember, like, I saw my feet as I was in free fall and I thought, oh no, I'm going head first. And, uh, <laughs> and then, um, so I landed on an asphalt pavement, you know, um, and so, and I passed out. I was, I was, I was completely passed out. My brother ran inside the first floor, my father's clinic was and you know said to my father that i had fallen uh but my father was busy with patients and he thought oh kids fall right 
I mean, they trip and fall all the time. So he said, why don't you bring him inside and I'll, I'll treat him. And my brother went outside. He looked at me. I was lying on a puddle of blood, not moving and appeared to have died. So there was no way he was, you know, eight years old at that point could carry me or move me at all. So he like thought, oh, this is not good. And maybe felt guilty that maybe he was responsible for what happened. So he went into his room. And so that was it. I was left on the street um, in a, you know, completely passed out. And someone eventually rescued me. And uh, my father, you know, sort of discover me and then carry me back into his clinic, put me on his treatment table. And uh, so anyway, from that point on, I would be in a coma for a month. And, uh, and then from there, once I, <laughs> once I woke up, uh, I was, uh, I was paralyzed. I had broken my spine. I had serious concussion that, um, you know, every specialist said I would never walk again. I would be a vegetable. And, uh, my father said, no, that's not going to happen. And he, he just treated me, took care of me. And uh, and took about two years. I was able to walk again. So, ah, oh, that's an incredible yeah. story. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God! And your brother, what a traumatic thing for a for a child to go through. Also, on from his perspective, you know. Oh yeah. No, I. I you know, I, I think years later we we processed and talked about it, and I think for him it was hard because I think he felt responsible, right? And uh, so, but for me, it was like a, you know, light bulb went off in my head. It was literally, you know, (laughs) I knocked my head. Um, So, you know, I I realized after I I regained my health, I thought, you know, I mean, this Chinese medicine, I mean, you know, it's interesting. Patients will come back and tell me like, you know, Dr. Mao, that was the most god-awful tea you've ever given me. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's got a yeah. strong taste. <laughs> I like it, but yeah. Yeah, I know. And I, I would just smile and say, yeah, I know. I, I've had just about every flavor there is under the sun. Um, you know, I've drunk a lot of herbal tea. I've gotten acupuncture every day for two years. I've, you know, I've done, you know, serious training uh, to rehabilitate and all that. So, and, but, but I think the key takeaway for me was like, Wow. I mean, when, when, when everyone thought I would never restore my life, uh, you know, my father held out the hope that I would, uh, you know, be normal again one day. So, so, you know, I, I think early on, I just had this kind of sense of knowing of my calling, like, you know what, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Wow. Talk I'm about a, getting hit in the head by an aha moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> <At> first. <indeed. laughs> um, and I can attest that I, I learned of you through our mutual friend, Gary Donzing, who was diagnosed with a terminal cancer and beat it. And he swore by the treatments that he got with you between the teas and the tinctures and the acupuncture. And when I was feeling probably one of my lowest points, coming to you on his recommendation and being talk about 180 from what I was to what I am now. It's hard to, it's hard to, cause you grew up in this practice. So for you, I'm sure it's, it's like, yeah, that's how it works. But for somebody like me, who, especially Western medicine has a constant reverberation of it's either in your head, there's nothing wrong with you. We'll give you a pill and, you know, and, it's, it's nowhere even cl- to me. It doesn't come close to touching what it is you're doing, and it's so interesting to me that that a lot of times Western medicine uh, puts up such a block to Eastern medicine. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, I I, I think some of that is it's just um, you know I think lack of knowledge and understanding. You know, I, I think when whenever you have an establishment uh, and, you know, Western medicine, they're organized. And, I mean, it does work and serve the population quite well. And 
And in my incidents, interestingly, you know, they both basically said, well, there's nothing we can do for you, right? Because typically we associate Western medicine as really good for acute trauma and injury. But but it, it was at that point, like, you know what? Uh, I don't think we can save this kid, right? Um, but but for the most part, you know, I think it, 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 it does work quite well and we seek to collaborate. And so there are quite a few doctors who have this understanding that, you know what, we have limitations, right? Limitations with every medical system. But if we bring the best of both worlds together, then we can serve the patient that much better. And, uh, but, you know, but there's always going to be detractors and people who are basically feeling threatened by the fact that, you know, this, that's not scientific. Well, I don't know what scientific is really, because at the end of the day, a medicine that's been around for 5,000 years that continues to work to this day, um, you know, it's, and, and has proven to actually be quite scientific. Uh, it's, um, it, it's, it's just requires an open mind and, and to be able to say, you know, what, I don't know how that works, but I'm willing to try it or I'm willing to, to see what it does for my patients. And, uh, and, and let's evaluate the results because at the end of the day, it's the results that count. And uh, patients don't really care whether it's Western medicine, Eastern medicine. We just want to get well and get back to their lives and their family and, and their, their work. So, mm-hmm. Did your brother end up going into medicine as well? Yes. So he had no choice. <laughs> so, uh, yes, he, he, he did. And, um, and we actually been practicing together for 36 years. Um, he's, Is he he's the other doctor and in, in the practice? Yes. Yes. So, oh, so a lot that. of people, yeah, a lot of people are, are a little confused because we, we go by Dr. Mao and Dr. Dow, but the, those are actually our first names. Because when we started, we started with my father, right? So we were in his office and he was called Dr. Nee or Master Nee. Uh, Nee is our last name. Uh, But, uh, you know, whenever someone calls and says, well, can I make an appointment or speak to Dr. Nee? You know, chaos would ensue because, well, which Dr. Nee is it the elder one is it the tall one or is it the more handsome one so it was one of those <laughs> things that you know so uh, so we just said okay you know what so dad can you know be the doctor knee and we'll go to our first names and, and it's interesting it's actually kind of worked out because you know mao and dao it's it's it kind of rhymes and you yeah. know it, and at one point we uh uh, you know, LA Times did a profile on us and they called us the Bad Brew Brothers. And, uh, you know, so because we, we're yeah. known to give people really bad tasting herbal teas that fortunately it worked, you know. They definitely uh, work. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, you know, what's interesting also is that, you know, we have now, thir- so my brother and I are 38 generation doctors in our family, but um, our, my nephew or his son uh, is is 39th generation, and he's a he's a cardi- cardiology fellow at Scripps, and he comes up, um, you know, once a month to our office, and uh, so when he first came, he says, "Well, you know, Uncle, what 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 should what should I use? Which name?" And I say, "Well, you get to use our." family name because there's not another Dr. Nee in the office. So anyway, so he's now the, the de facto Dr. Nee nice. in, in our office. Yes. Nice. And what about your children? Do they have a sense that they're going to head that direction or are they still figuring it out? Well, you know, it, it, it is hard. Um, I, you know, I raise my kids to be their own individuals and discover their gifts and uh, and so our job as parents is to nurture those gifts, and um, you know, but but I'm hopeful perhaps that you know one of our kids will um, will continue or or to, will find within themselves to say, hey, you know what, maybe this is something I'm passionate about, and I want to I want to do it, but you know, I, I can't ultimately can't force them. Sure. And uh, so um, I want to respect you know that they have their own life's paths as well. When you started learning about things like the teas and the mixtures of the herbs and things, um, 
how much of that do you think in the beginning was an intuitive instruction from your father versus like, we know this works for this and this works for that. I mean, cause it, like, for example, when I look up something in the, 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 the little round ones, when I had the infection on my leg and they took it, uh-huh. it took it away so fast. And I looked up what the stuff was. And of course it's all roots and plants and things. And there's certainly long lists. If you Google any one of them, it talks about the Chinese medicine and what they're good for and things like hot and cold and all that stuff. I just imagine trying to learn all that must've been so wild. And then I think, oh, but if you're in the flow, then a lot of it must be also intuitive, different than a Western medicine where you're like the, you know, knee bones connected to the hip bone or whatever. Well, I mean, there's two aspects to it. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, there is on one hand, the pharmacological aspects of plants, right? So if you study plants, you know, they have components, uh, chemical constituents, and they do have specific um, physiological actions and you learn about that and you learn about so that's pharmacological aspect you learn about the traditional uses of it for thousands of years now herbalists and chinese doctors have used this for that right i mean i'll give you a case in point for example astragalus right so astragalus root is is very common Uh, i think people know that uh, more so because for its immune support properties and you know with covid in the last 18 months you know i think people may have been introduced to some herbs that are frequently used and and astragalus is one of the roots um, that is used uh, frequently to help support and so in chinese medicine you know we would say that it 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 actually fortifies your chi your life force right energy number one number two uh, prevent sickness and then helps to uh, fight off a cold or a, a flu or an infection and helps promote rapid healing. Okay, so just that alone, right? That's clinical, that's been passed down, you know, for, for thousands of years. Now, pharmacological-wise, you know, we'll, we'll find that it does have action of stimulating, you know, white, white blood cell production, your natural cell production. So these NK natural uh, killer cells that can actually go after viruses and they can actually go after cancer. So it, it is in fact useful for cancer support, as an example, people who are going through cancer. And, uh, and it, it actually does speed up the scaffolding of tissue. So in fact, you know what, uh, in the old days, you know, where it, it's action is attributed to promoting healing, you know, facilitating healing, it, it, it's been proven now to actually increase uh, and improve the scaffolding of tissues so or rebuilding uh, mm-hmm. and the healing of the wounds and things like that. So we, we know that there are all these pharmacological actions that have proven the herbs to be effective. And if we look at Western pharmaceuticals today, about a third originated from herbs mm-hmm. anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it hasn't been that long ago that our grandparents and, and their, you know, a- ancestors going back thousands of years or millions of years simply had no access to drugs and use uh, natural medicine like herbs to heal. And so this is one of the reasons why herbs, uh, you know, continues to be so relevant and in fact essential in the healthcare system because there are many times when drugs fail to treat a condition. Uh, Another case in point is bacteria, right? So we have these uh, antibiotic resistant bacteria. Uh, So when someone gets that, uh, it's almost like a sitting duck. There's no antibiotic that can actually kill that bacteria. So, you know, that's why there's 12,000 to 15,000 people a year in America that, that succumb to these type of antibiotic resistant bacterial infections, such as C. Def, uh, C. difficile. Uh, whereas Chinese medicine with herbs, the bacteria does not, hasn't developed resistant to it because it's not a single chemical. It's multiple chemical constituents within an herb. So you're, you're not worried about the bacteria or the virus developing resistance. That's a beauty of it, but we also do polypharmacy, what that means is we use multiple herbs. 
So you notice in your herbal formula, there's 12 to 15 different herbs. So now there is no way for any organism to develop any resistance to it. And so we still have ways to help uh, overcome a lot of these issues that Western medicine today find uh, very challenging and very hard to do today. Yeah. I want to talk about acupuncture. Now, just so everyone knows, you founded uh, the Tao of Wellness in Santa Monica. And it's also, I think there's one in Pasadena. Where's the other one? Is that right? Uh, yes, we have an office in Pasadena as yeah. well. So Santa Monica, Pasadena. Yeah. And, and we then also you, have a school. Yeah, I was just going to say. And then there's the school. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So Yosan University. And it's located near Maria Del Rey, Ancover City area. And it's named after our grandfather. So the, the 36th generation doctor in our family. And uh, so we pay tribute to his legacy uh, and founded a school in his name. Uh, so we offer accredited master's and doctorate degree programs in acupuncture and Chinese medicine. When I came to you the first time uh, and I was under some serious stress and things and, and did the acupuncture. And I remember uh, you had put a needle in my foot and I was like, oof, cause it doesn't hurt when you get acupuncture. It's like, it kind of, you feel it, but it's hurt is not the right word for it. But I remember getting, it's like being shocked or almost or something. And I said, Oh, what is that? And I think you said, Oh, that's your, I think you said liver or something. And Talk about that, the meridian points, and why acupuncture works so well with all these things. Right. Yes. Um, So, acupuncture is based on a very simple concept, a recognition that the body can heal itself. And what we need to do merely is to basically signal the body and reprogram the body so that it it itself can self-heal and restore normal function. And this is true 99.9% of the time. And so, um, so there are meridians that connect to organ systems uh, that essentially can tell us where the organ imbalances are. So, so when you have sensations that are strong, and, and it's, it's a kind of a, a, a deep soreness, uh, but not really a pain type, but like what you're saying, we we call that the chi, which is uh, uh, activation of energy. You know, there's that tingling, that sensation that you experience. We use that diagnostically as well. So if some a, a point is uh, more sensitive than usual, then, you know, at that point, I pointed out to you, well, that is the liver point, you know, corresponding to your liver organ network. And what that would indicate is that, well, the liver is under stress, it's not you know, most likely not uh, cleansing and detoxifying your body from all the toxins or medication or infections for, for that matter. Liver also uh, produces bile and, you know, and, and aids in the digestive process. Um, liver also produces the ingredients that turn into neurochemicals. So if you're under a lot of stress, uh, you produce a lot of cortisol and the liver's job is to break down all that cortisol. You know, cortisol is the same as cortisone or prednisone, steroid. And so that's why when you're under uh, prolonged stress, you really get agitated and you can't calm down. You can't relax because you have all this cortisol in your body until your liver is able to break it down. You still have as if you've taken steroids, you pumped your body up. And so the liver gets overwhelmed. It needs to break all that down and produce the ingredients that, you know, form the serotonin and dopamine, which are the calming neurochemicals in your brain. And uh, so when it's unable to do that, you get really agitated and irritable and, ang- you know, prone to anger, all this and that. This is why, you know, we, we say in Chinese medicine, liver regulates emotions and that's how it works is that if it's off balance then your emotions are off balance too and you will be prone to anger and frustration and irritability and agitation Mm. so all of america right now could use a good acupuncture needle in the foot is what you're saying (laughs) absolutely so because then we can do is we can 
break down the cortisol, increase dopamine, serotonin will be happier and more loving towards one another. And so acupuncture, in essence, is stimulating your body so that it knows how to heal and get the body back to equilibrium or homeostasis, which is balance. And when you're balanced, there is no disease. Yeah, and I think a lot about how one has to understand, well, they don't have to, but it, it, it makes sense that everything is connected because like, if you get scared all of a sudden, maybe your neck will get itchy. Or if, you know, you follow your gut, it's intuition is your gut, you know, and all these different parts of yourself talking. If you get a massage and the masseuse is rubbing on your neck and all of a sudden your foot shoots up in the air or something like that, you know, it's all part of a whole system. Your body is a network. It's no, it's no different than, than you know, internet. Uh, really, you know, it, what has internet has done is that it, it created this web that bound us all together, all seven billion of us, right? Well, acupuncture and the meridians essentially bound every cell in your body together into one large unit, and so. And so another thing that I tell people is just like the internet, you know, or the computer, garbage in, garbage out, you know? So <laughs> the body is the same way. If you put garbage in, it's going to output garbage. So take care of yourself, you know, get, you know, get the right signaling. Uh, so, so again, this is also another concept in Chinese medicine, that mind and body works as one. They're not separated. Unlike Western medicine, which views like the mind has nothing to do with the body. Well, we know that has long since been dis dis disproven, right? right? But um, the, the act is one unit. So what, how, what you think, what, what is in your mind is going to affect your body. There's no question. And what's in your body is going to affect your mind. We, know, we now know like your microbiome in your intestines can actually change your personality and and cause emotional problems, right? So, so again, it goes two ways. And uh, so what acupuncture and Chinese medicine has long recognized is that, you know, what we need to do is we need to harmonize both the mind and the body. And uh, so that we can, uh, you know, promote and eventually, you know, result in perfect health. Yeah. And you are an author of, of many books about this subject and also uh, your videos. I, when I come in for an appointment, I actually, I'd love to sit there and, and zone out on your, the, I guess, is it Tai Chi or Qigong? It's or one or both. And it's just watching someone else do it is incredibly relaxing. It's weird how that works, but it's, it's very... I don't even know what the word is, but it's it's hard not to be, I guess, hypnotic is kind of the the sense I get. Well, it is interesting. You, you, your observation is absolutely correct. Um, it, it's Tai Chi and Qigong, right? And, uh, and, and there's value in watching. So case in point, you watch a horror picture, you leave the movie theater, you feel uh, impacted in a very negative way. You watch soothing images of nature or me doing Tai Chi and Qigong, and you feel, you experience that, that flow, that harmony, that peace within you, and so forth. So this is what I mean by, you know, the mind has to really work with the body. So what you put in is what you're going to feel, right? And, uh, and, and, and that's what you're going to live with. And so that's why, you know, even watching, uh, imageries can actually entrain your mind, which in turn signals your body. Mm -hmm. So everything is connected and everything has to flow in a harmonious way. Yeah. And what is your most recent book that I've, I've purchased a couple of your books? What, what is the most recent one that you've written? Well, my most recent one is more practical. It's called Live Long, Live Strong, an integrated approach to cancer care and prevention and uh and what i did was uh present uh, a lot of clinical studies actually on how both eastern and western medicine can, can work together very well synergistically uh collaboratively for cancer and for cancer patients and so i present 
you know, for example, we talk about Qigong, Qigong practices, right? Uh, there are Qigong practices that have been proven to really improve the immune system, for example, improve the the quality of life for patients going through chemotherapy, as an example. And uh, and then I discuss about herbs, you know, what herbs and supplements can be used to support your uh, cancer journey. So um, anyway, I, I, I try to give people tools. I mean, that's really um, what all my books are about, is, is empowering people with tools so that they can discover the innate healing capability within and so that they can help themselves in the process. Yeah. What do you think is the number one thing to recommend other than obviously coming to your practice and getting awesome acupuncture and herbs and things, but uh, for people just every day trying to get through their their days with something that is good advice for them as far as maybe a moment of center, people that aren't integrated into this other way of thinking. Well, you just kind of hit the nail around the head, you know, a moment. The problem with our world today is that we are constantly glued to a device now. And, uh, you know, taking moment or moments to just stop and to reflect, you know, what's happened is that yeah, people are very unaware they're unconscious they're not mindful of what it is and why it is that they're doing what they're doing and it, it's kind of crazy if you think about it it's like okay if you keep doing that for years and years years the end of your life will come and you look back and i have just heard too many regrets you know from people going you know i wish i could have i should have and uh, so, you know, so, so much of uh, pain and suffering and disease and poor health comes from a lack of awareness, which comes from a lack of taking time to reflect on what it is they are doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so just, just really stopping first and you don't have to meditate. You know, of course, I teach meditation. I promote meditation. I think it's fabulous. But you don't even have to meditate. All you have to do is just stop to think and be aware of, like, why are you doing that? What, you know, what is the purpose? Really, what is the purpose of your life? Why are you here? Who are you? Um, and to really dive, you know, deep into that to understand you know, the, this, this gift that we're all been given and, uh, and to perhaps, you know, align your life to that gift, that purpose. Uh, I really see a big difference when people discover that aha moment and begin to change their life. Uh, everything gets better. Their health is better. The relationship improves. There's so many positive come from that. And, uh, and, and, and so, actually, the book that I wrote before this last one is called Live Your Ultimate Life. And that book is really a book about helping people discover who they are and what their purpose is. And then how to then, you know, really, um, uh, you know, align their, their, their life to that purpose. Um, because there's no question you're happiest and most content when you're pursuing that passionately. Yeah. Amen to that. Dr. Matt, how can people find you? What's the best way? Well, uh, they can uh, visit daoofwellness.com. That's T-A-O of wellness.com. Uh, you know, or, you know, if you're in Santa Monica, to stop by and uh, visit our office uh, or Pasadena or, our school, you know, Yosan University. And uh, we also have another website where all the, you know, uh, the books, um, mini books. And, and by the way, I'm the slacker in my family. My father's published and written over 150 books. And he's still at it at age 105. And, <laughs> uh, but I said to him, I said, Dad, it's okay. You know, I have a long time. So I'll keep writing. I've written, you know, 20 books. So, uh, you know, I'm the slacker, but anyway, 
But, he must uh, be the website, so proud. I just, just really, I mean, he must be so proud of y'all, of your, what you've built and the practice and the fact that you're educating other people. Because I believe, firstly, I believe one can be a lot. I'm a big believer of that, that if you are, you know, if you're imparting that wisdom on one person that they then go impart it on two and two to four and four, and then you change the world. One changes the whole world. So he must just be so beyond proud of, of you boys doing all that. Well, uh, you know, I, I think so. You know, I, I, my, my father is a man of few words, although he's written <laughs> a lot of books. You know? <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, he gets up and he just keeps working every day in his writing. You know, he was a retired doctor. So, um, I, I, you know, I don't think he needs to say that he's proud of us. I, I think we feel that we are also living our purpose and our mission, and that's all we need, you know. And, and yes, I think, and I think dad is proud. And uh, so, um, but I don't think he wants to put that pressure on us either. So, <laughs> well, that's there's, good. There's no, no <laughs> expectations, right? So, yeah. if you're interested in exploring all the books deeper, um, I would uh, highly recommend going to the website called DaoStar.com. That's T-A-O Star.com. And um, anyway, it's um, that's where all the Tai Chi and Qigong and meditation and all the books can be found. Yeah, and I'll put links to everything on HeyHumanPodcast.com so people can find it easily. Uh, Dr. Mel, thank you for taking the time. I am so thankful to have found you. <laughs> so I really appreciate. Uh, everything you've done for me and restoring my health and wellness. And thank you for being on the show and telling other people about what your work is. Well, thank you so much. And it's my pleasure as well to be um, an honor to be of service. And, uh, and thank you. I feel very privileged to be invited onto your show. So thank you. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. All thank right. you. Take Bye. Care. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks. Bye.